Welcome to the Picket Fence Podcast. Breaking news, Victor Wimbanyama is a San Antonio Spur. This is the NBA Draft Lottery special uh, for the Picket Fence Podcast. Um, this is absolutely breaking news. Um, very excited to talk about this today, Derek. Um, what are your thoughts here initially on uh, this this NBA Draft Lottery result? Well, and watching all of the draft coverage today and what was going on with ESPN and those guys talking, I don't think anybody inside the NBA or on TV, any of these guys were anticipating San Antonio coming out of nowhere to claim the first overall pick. Like, you know, is this a New York Knicks situation? Was there a cold envelope somewhere that was frozen in the back offices of the <laughs> somewhere in New York City? Uh, yeah. But, you know, definitely uh, would not have been the Vegas favorite to pull this out. You had uh, Houston and Detroit, I think, were probably the two teams everybody was looking at as most likely to get the number one pick. I know the Spurs shared that 14% likelihood to get the first overall pick, um, but everybody was really talking about that Houston-Detroit selection, which one of those teams were going to get the number one pick. So San Antonio sliding into that number one spot is um, unexpected, but I think entertaining when you talk about Coach Pop still being there um, and going back to their – their success with the number one overall pick that they've had historically, um, especially with big men of this caliber, uh, makes it a, a fun conversation for us to have real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I agree with you. You know, they, they shared the, you know, the, the likelihood with Detroit and Houston, but my thought was really one of those two teams, and I think that was more of the, maybe flashier, exciting pick. I know I was definitely looking forward to maybe it being Detroit, seeing Cade Cunningham and Jaden Wiseman and James Wiseman uh, playing with, with, uh, with Victor Wimanyama. But, you know, I, as I think about it more, at the beginning I almost wasn't as uh, excited, but the more I think about it, the thought of it being Coach Popovich, the history of having someone like David Robinson and Tim Duncan and Wimanyama kind of following in those footsteps, I'm assuming Tim Duncan will be there maybe doing some work with him. I feel like uh, the more I thought about it, the more exciting it seems to me. I think it's going to be fun. You know, I don't know a whole lot about the Spurs team, admittedly. Um, you know, I know they've got Romeo. I know they've got Doug, Doug McDermott, two guys that you and I have talked about on the podcast before. Um, and kind of were just, you know, built around a, a team of role players. You know, they traded Duante Murray to Atlanta, which I think uh, had they kept him – that would be a fun one-two punch with him and Wimbenyama. Uh, 100%. But you've got to think that San Antonio bringing, obviously they're not going to move the pick. Um, you know, drafting Wimbenyama number one overall, what can they bring in with him? Are there other things that they're going to look at doing, other pieces that they can build around with him? Uh, and we've seen what happens when Coach Pop has talent and when he's got a roster that he wants to work with and, and this type of a big man to kind of, let the team revolve around. We've seen what happens, and so you've got to think, you know, is San Antonio going to take themselves out of the lottery for the, you know, next however many years moving forward? Yeah, you know, that's exactly what, what I thought. I mean, you know, as I think about it, they don't have a team that's, like, as recognizable. They haven't had a number one pick since Tim Duncan. Um, they really haven't had – they really haven't worried about the draft lottery in quite some time. Um, that wasn't really a thing that the San Antonio's Spurs concern themselves with. Um, 
you know, once they kind of started their run. Uh, but they have a really interesting team of, of what you said, like role players, a lot of great athletes in three and D really, really young team. And Greg Popovich, I read in an interview said that um, it almost rejuvenated him to be around such a young core. Like he kind of got some energy back and he could really coach the game like he did initially um, before he got such a superstar team. Um, when you talk about having guys like Kelvin Johnson, um, Jeremy Sohan, um, and you know, some of those guys that are, that are young and, um, you know, athletic guys who, who fill these roles. Devin Bissell is, is a great player on that team. Um, you know, uh, they've got a, a young guy out of um, Ohio State that I thought was a really interesting player in Malachi Branham last year. They've got some really, really good pieces um, that looked like they were just missing the superstar, and maybe they've got that guy now that um, fills that hole, and they've got the great pieces around them. Yeah, all, all of that being said, uh, I'm not going to lie, I hate it. Um <laughs> You know, when we're we're sitting here looking at this, I was anticipating you know him being maybe in Detroit. Um, you know, yeah. not that that's a city that I would be psyched up to want to go live in. But when you look at um, Cunningham and Wiseman and those pieces that Detroit has, Jay Ivey, and you yeah. look at bringing this guy, yeah, Ivy um, coming off a pretty successful rookie campaign. Kane Cade Cunningham is going to be a perennial All Star. I think in the league, Wiseman obviously didn't get the start he wanted to in Golden State, but it's kind of been rejuvenated a little bit there in Detroit as he's being used differently in their system. I was excited, and you and I have talked about a couple of times now, I was excited to see him in Detroit. Um, I even would have enjoyed watching him play in Houston with the Smith kid from Auburn. Uh, So him landing in San Antonio for me is going to be a little bit disappointing, but I think we know what kind of coaching he's going to get and what the Spurs can look like down the road. So it may end up being a better fit for him long-term, um, but certainly took a little bit of the luster away from the draft lottery, seeing that San Antonio got the number one pick. Yeah, it did for me as well. And selfishly, I think we knew it wasn't going to happen because it doesn't <laughs> happen for us here in Indiana. But, um, you know, you just you had some – I had a few daydreams about him as a pacer. Um, I, I didn't think it would happen, but, you know, uh, him and, and Tyrese Halliburton, I feel like could have been a fun duo. I know that was probably never in the works. Um, they always joke on Twitter about who writes the NBA script. I don't know if you've seen those, uh, those memes going around, but the Pacers never get a good, uh, never get a great, um, you know, story in the script. So it wasn't, wasn't in the works for the Pacers. Right. We, we would have loved to see Indianapolis, um, but fantastic pickup for the Spurs. This is great. I think it's a great segue into a conversation we'd like to have. Um, kind of the winners and losers of this uh, draft lottery. And I kind of like to discuss that with you. Who you think maybe came away with a great spot uh, going into the draft here in about a month or so? Or, um, you know, guys that really aren't set up for the, uh, the future as well as what they thought they were. Do you have any guys off the bat that you think are real winners? Well, um, I think there's an obvious. Just for the, for those that maybe didn't get the chance to listen to Draft Lottery or maybe are just checking us out for the first time, you know, we've got the Spurs with the number one pick, the Hornets and Charlotte get the number two pick, number three pick goes to Portland, which I think we can talk about in a minute. That's interesting. Um, Houston fell from being one of the three favorites to get the pick. They fell to number four. Detroit falls to number five. Orlando sits at number six, which I think is an interesting pick for them given some of their young core. The Pacers, again, stay true to form, and they take the number seven pick, which they were were slated to get. 
the Wizards are at number eight. The Jazz are at number nine. The Mavs, which is a whole story in and of itself. We could do a whole episode on the Mavs this year. Um, they're at number 10. Orlando, via trades, um, has two picks in the top 11. OKC takes 12. Toronto takes 13. And New Orleans takes number 14. Uh, so, Cam, who are your who are your winners that are, or teams that kind of stick out to you here as this is kind of the order shaking out here? So, if I'm looking at winners, I think obviously. I mean, we just talked about that for a minute, but I think number one overall easily is, is the Spurs. I mean, they are the big winner tonight. I mean, it was basically the Wimbanyama sweepstakes. Um, if you're listening, by the way, and you have not seen Victor Wimbanyama, we are referring to the number one prospect. Uh, in this upcoming draft. Yeah. If you have not seen Victor Wimbanyama, pause this podcast right now. <laughs> get onto YouTube, and I know you may not be able to spell it, but I want you to just Victor W, and I want you to click on what pops up because he is the, one of the most exciting prospects that we've seen maybe in our lifetime, since LeBron James at least. Um, he is a tremendously exciting prospect. Um, everyone was really hoping for um, that spot because it, it was unanimous who will be the number one pick from what yeah. I think I think that's consensus. Um, I think they're easily the big winner because like we just said, they have a lot of great role players. They're well coached. They're, you know, they've been one of the best organizations in basketball for, you know, almost 30 years. Uh, that is, that's so huge. I mean, that, that puts the Spurs back in the conversation of, Oh, are they going to be a perennial contender now that they have this kid? And yeah. I think with some experience, I think they're going to be there. So they're they're definitely a big winner. Would you? Uh, I'm assuming you agree there. Yeah, I mean the Spurs have to be the big winner. The the one thing that that I don't necessarily want to see is people come out and obviously there's pressure on this kid already. Um, you know, I was listening to the guys on ESPN talk uh, this afternoon. You know, and it's not only the discussion of he's the best prospect since LeBron. You know, they're having discussions about if you put LeBron out of high school in the same draft class as Wimbanyana, who goes number one? Um, I believe Woj made the comment that he's the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. Like, to me, we've got we've to be easy on that stuff. Those are the conversations I don't like people having before we've seen the guy put on an NBA uniform and play in an NBA game. Um, I know playing in Europe, he's had success in France. He's had success on the, on the French national team. Um, he's seven three, seven four, and and can do things that someone at six five and six six can do. But let's let's see some game film first. Let's let's have some actual game experience, and then let's start to make our evaluation of this kid. Uh, because the NBA is a different beast. We can talk about Europe and all that stuff, but the NBA is a different beast. Um, it's the it's the best players in the world, and they're the best players in the world for a reason. So before we go, you know, about anointing this kid before he's even put on a uniform, you know, that, to me it just sets someone up for failure. But that's kind of the world we live in. Uh, you know, society wants to do all of the talking beforehand and then make very harsh criticisms when things don't live up to what they were supposed to in the first five minutes. Uh, now, do I think he has every opportunity to? Absolutely. I think he's got a chance to be one of the best to ever put on a uniform. But let's let's give the kid a little grace first, and you know there's going to be an an adjustment period to the NBA, the physicality, the size of some of the guys he's going to be going up against, the physicality, 
so, yeah, the Spurs are absolutely the big winner. You know, they get the number one rated prospect. Uh, and I'm excited to see him in the NBA. I think it's going to be awesome um, to see how his game transitions. But, again, I, I do want to proceed with a little bit of caution here just for his sake um, and see how things pan out. No, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, I think he is the biggest prospect simply because we have social media now. I mean, if you put Twitter and Instagram in the LeBron James era, we're going to have a similar result. I mean, he was incredibly hyped and we didn't have those. Um, I would love to see Twitter and Instagram clips of a, a high school uh, Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, <laughs> and uh, Chamberlain. I'm going to say we get a similar outlook on those guys if we had highlights of those guys dominating high school basketball. Um, so I definitely think that because of social media, I mean, look, what we see from him is unbelievable. But I agree. Give him a shot. Don't put such high expectations that he'll never live up to it. Um, we've not seen that happen very often where they completely live up to the expectations. But it is exciting for San Antonio, and I'm, I'm very anxious to see him yeah. in an NBA uniform. Yeah, they're, they, they're my top team there, too. Yeah, super fun. My next, my next big winner, um, and kind of a surprise because I didn't expect to see him in this position, is the Charlotte Hornets. That's a very interesting there at number two. I mean, I think, obviously, yes, having the number two pick makes it, um, you know, second to the number one pick. But what's interesting is I think Charlotte wasn't one of the teams that was expected to be up there. Right, San Antonio, they, weren't to have, they weren't supposed to be the number two pick. Yeah, San Antonio, Houston, and, and Detroit were kind of there, supposed to be the top three. Uh, the Hornets sneaking in there at number two, that's a big win for them because they've got a lot of young talent. They've got interesting pieces. You had LaMelo Ball, who was injured for a lot of last year. Um, you're bringing him back. And then we can see you know a player like possibly Scoot Henderson out of the G League come in with, with yep. Charlotte and join that young group of, of really, really talented athletes. So they're my second one because they've got a lot of young talent anyway. Um, and I, I think that them sneaking up there changes the dynamic for them. Yeah, at some point for me, Charlotte has to be a team that breaks through. Uh, and and it, you know they do it through the draft every single year. They're in the you know they've got a top four, top five pick perennially. But at some point, they've got to be a team that breaks through because for the last twelve years, you know they've had the greatest college basketball team you could assemble in Charlotte. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not translated to NBA success. And you bring in someone right. like Lamelo, who um, when he's not injured, is one of the best point guards in the NBA. Uh, <clears throat> so Charlotte, you know, kind of lucking into that number two overall pick, like you said. Um, having a chance to most likely draft Scoot Henderson um, does put them in a position to make their team better. I think Charlotte has to make some moves in the offseason um, to probably bring in some new pieces and get rid of some older pieces. But it's going to be an interesting conversation that the Hornets get to have, and they're certainly going to be in the driver's seat in a lot of those conversations. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're interesting. I know that I think I read that Michael Jordan is, is getting rid of his uh, stake in the Hornets. Yeah. I think he's moving on. Uh, so they'll have some, some new people in the front office. They'll have um, possibly a new look. You know, we don't know what kind of trades and things happen. It's hard to predict that. Um, it's fun to talk about for sure. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that when it comes to the actual draft time. But um, they're in a great position. They've got a young core. They're going to bring in another, use, uh, another uh, young star. And it's going to be fun. 
do you have I'm, I've, I've kind of taken the lead on a couple oh, of these do you have a next you're good a next uh, a next big winner from from this uh lottery uh just to, i guess to follow suit we've gone number one number two uh, my other big winner i'm gonna go right in order here would be number three at portland um again a team that was not supposed to be in the top three they've got a guy by the name of dame lillard that is one of the best players in the nba bringing them in at number three you've got to wonder what do they do with the third overall pick if you're portland um do you go ahead and, and draft? Do you take someone at number three? Or if you're Portland and you're their front office, are you fielding conversations and are you having talks about maybe, you know, especially in a loaded Western conference, do you want to have to try and put Dame Lillard through what could be a, a rebuild year or two rebuild years with their roster? Uh, do you look at moving the third overall pick to bring in some immediate help for them to make them viable in the Western conference? Or is this a conversation where, uh, you know, is is moving Dame Lillard a conversation you're having to maybe build up draft stock this year and down the line to then hopefully rebuild your franchise that way? Um, so for me, Portland is the second overall big winner because now they're in a position where they have options and things that they can look at and multiple ways that they can improve their team. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think what makes them so interesting is there's a lot of teams that are rebuilding here, um, and Portland's kind of in the middle. Um, yeah. They didn't have a great year, but it seems like they'll have a down year, and then it's like, oh, they're they're right there in the playoffs, competing with everyone, and so they're kind of year to year, and that that's you know an injury thing, but um, oftentimes, but when you have a player like Damian Lillard, and you have uh, these these different talented players, you've got some some young guards like Anthony Simons. You had great pieces this year. Um, you have guys that have been on talks on the trading block from year to year, like Yusuf Nurkic, uh, their big man. They always talk about, you know, are they going to make a move? And Portland's never quite made the big move. Right. Um, they brought in some small guys, pieces here and there. Um, but right now I think they're in a position to maybe make the big move. And I think that's what makes them exciting is can you go package a couple players in this number three pick and bring in somebody to play with Lillard or – are you in rebuild mode and Lillard, you know, you send him, you know, somewhere in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think it's really interesting. I'd be very curious to see what they do. I anticipate, I anticipate a trade here in some capacity. I don't think taking a pick here makes a huge difference for Portland. If you're going to keep Damian Lillard, I feel like you have to go get somebody yeah. um, to put him in a position or, or you move on from, from Damian Lillard. Um, if you take the pick here and roll, roll the dice with it, um, I don't see how that helps the Portland Trailblazers at all. No, I don't I don't either. I don't know that there's again, I think you either if you're Portland, you're either playing the let's play for immediate success or you're playing the long game. And yep. I think the long game entails trades and probably moving Damian Lillard, um, similar to them moving CJ McCollum. Um, if they're serious about it, I think they trade the number three pick. Uh, I would have to agree with you there. Um, if you want to roll with Dame, I think they've got to go. They've got to go get another. Yeah, you've got to have a win now mentality if he's going to stay on your roster. For sure, I'm going to throw out one more winner. Okay, um, I've got one of myself. I think we may have the same one here. Okay. I, I'm curious to know from the same from the same page. They're they're not one of the top teams in this lottery, so they make it overlooked. Um, are you thinking what I'm thinking here? Are are, are you thinking Orlando Magic? 
You know what, Cameron? I was thinking the Orlando Magic. Hey, did we just become best friends? Uh, <laughs> so, you want to do karate so, in the garage? <laughs> That's the next episode of the podcast. Um, so, <laughs> so much more room for activities. Magic, <laughs> hey, the Orlando Magic have a lot of room for activities here because they've got a great young core. And they've got the 6th pick and the 11th pick. I bet they have so many bunk beds in their facility. Uh, yeah, Paulo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. <laughs> uh, you got to have a pretty big bunk bed for Bowl Bowl. But they've got a, a lot of uh, uh, young talent and two picks in the lottery yeah. coming off having the number one pick. And they have got a ton of guys to the point where I look at their roster and there's so much depth. At some point, it's going to be hard to maintain because there's going to be, you know, extensions coming for some players. But they have one of the almost weirdest deep teams. They haven't been good. But, like, at each position, they've got two or three guys um, that are very, very talented. Point guard position, you've got um, you've got Markel Fultz. You've got Cole uh, – I'm blanking on the name Cole there. Anthony. Uh, Cole Anthony, yes. Uh, Cole Anthony, you've got Ben Caron, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter, who's a very serviceable center, Bull Bull, and now you've got two picks coming in. And not to mention, Jonathan Isaac is typically, you know, rumored to be coming back soon, but if he comes back, that's a lot of depth and a lot of young depth. I'm curious to see what they do if they've got a trade coming or if they're just continuing to stack up on young talent. But Orlando is in a really interesting position. Yeah, I put them down as one of my winners also in – you know, I, I think that they, they got the sixth overall pick via trade. The 11th pick was the one that they were uh, slotted to get, I believe. And, and you've got to think at this point with where they're at roster-wise, like you said, as far as how their roster is constructed, you've got to think they're in the driver's seat to move at least one of these picks. Um, whether you go and get someone immediately or whether you package that for trade or for picks down the road, um, you've got to think that they will not be taking both of those picks to keep the players drafted there. You've got to think at least one of those is going to be on the move. Yeah, I'm curious to see what it is they do because they've been quietly very, very interesting. I mean, I know it's not quiet getting the number one pick in Bay Caro and he was the rookie of the year. But they've flown under the radar because they've been relatively competitive. I mean, they don't win a lot, but they're not abysmal. Ben Carroll was very, very fun. He did not look like he needed to adjust much coming into the league. Uh, He's a man. And they've got a lot of of fun talent. I'm curious to see what move they make. And I'm actually really excited because I think their Orlando Magic have a lot of potential to be a team that all of a sudden uh, makes the jump in the Eastern Conference. We saw that with Oklahoma City this year when all of a sudden it looked like they could be competitive where they've struggled for a few years. I think Orlando might be knocking on the door uh, with this particular situation. Yeah, and I don't know what the deal is with Orlando. You would think it would almost be a destination city, but for whatever reason, it's kind of been treated like Indianapolis where guys don't want to go play there. Um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully this is a situation where Orlando can get back to being a city, you know, where guys want to go. I mean, shoot, there's no state income tax. Like I for sure would be interested in, in suiting up in Orlando and, you know, Disney World's right across the street. Um, but you've got you've got to think that these two picks are going to put them in a position to bolster their roster a little bit. Um, lots of young talent, and they're probably a – they're a legitimate two-guard away from having a conversation about being in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Oh, for sure. 
For sure. I, th- I think they're, I think they're there and I think they've got the playmaker and the pieces around that could make it super fun. Yeah. Uh, not to, not to put a damper on this conversation, but there are a few people that I would consider to be uh, the losers coming into this uh, draft lottery. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. Coming out of the lottery. Um, why don't you lead off with this here? Who's your big loser in this lottery? Uh, and I have, I've got probably the three I wrote down are all, it's like 1A, 1B, and 1C in this one. Because sure. I think all three of these teams have got to be sitting in their respective cities, not feeling real well about the way that the night played out for them. Uh, but for me, Houston sets in at number one um, as, far, as far as the big loser of the night. They were one of the three teams with Detroit and San Antonio that had the highest percentage to get the number one pick. Not only does Houston not get the number one pick, but they fall all the way to number four. Um, yeah. And as you and I know, the NBA draft does not set up like the NFL draft where you have talent, you know, Obviously, there's 53 guys on an NFL roster, but you look at the NBA draft, and, and your talent pool is not nearly as deep. So you get out of the, you know, the top one or two where you've kind of got guaranteed guys who are going to help your team and your organization. If you're Houston, I don't think you feel very good right now. Um, you know, you've got some uncertainty as far as your roster. You've got some pieces that are there that can work. You've got the, uh, you know, the, the discussion of does James Harden want to make a return to the organization? Does he want to leave Philly and go back to Houston? Uh, so it's, it's interesting that Houston falls to this place in the draft. Not that number four is bad at all. Um, this, I think, no. I think top to bottom is one of the better drafts that we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, but certainly if you're Houston, you're probably not feeling very good right now. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, what makes it interesting is, you know, you could be listening and thinking, well, the number four pick's pretty solid. Um, usually, from what I've seen, there, there are often a lot of misses early in the lottery. Um, and then late lottery, you get a guy that, you know, people forget about. Um, there's a ton of examples of that that I'd love to get into when we talk uh, draft time. Um, and maybe there's a guy that sneaks in outside the lottery. Uh, typically, if you don't get the number one pick, um, when you're up there, it's pretty frustrating. And usually your number one pick is – a can't miss guy unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, usually you get. You, no, you take the 6'10 guy that can only pass. Yeah. Um, um, and, and let's, we're talking uh, Orlando as well. When you have a guy like uh, Markel Fultz as well, when you go back to back with something like that, um, most organizations get a guy that's, that's can't miss, but um, you know, I think that Houston definitely was really, really hoping for that number one spot. I honestly think Wimbenyama fits on paper pretty flawlessly with that lineup. Yeah. Um, when they've got, um, you know, Jalen Green, who's uh, been, you know, a superstar in terms of scoring the basketball coming in young. Um, you've got uh, Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn. Uh, they have a really interesting player in uh, Alprin Singoon, um, their center, who's uh, kind of a uh, diet Nikola Jokic, if you want to call him that, like okay. he's kind of the, like the, you know, very, very similar type of game. Um, you know, when you've got a, a group of young guys all like that, and then throwing a, a talent like Wimbenyaman in the mix, it looked like a lot of fun and looked like a place that was going to be a big time coaching destination. Um, if they would have snagged the number one pick. Um, so I definitely think they're losers in terms of just the expectations that they had. Um, and speaking of that, I think the next team that you mentioned on your list, 
Uh, also, I had some high expectations for it with a lot of young talent, and that's Detroit at number yep. five. Yeah. I, I, I think the Pistons, they've got some – I mean, Cade Cunningham is the real deal. I think he is – like you said, he's going to be an all-star. Jaden Ivey had a tremendous rookie campaign. And you trade for James Wiseman, who didn't quite fit with the Golden State, who was trying to, you know, maybe not develop and more uh, contend. Um, when he came to Detroit, he looked he looked pretty good. Um, and they've got three young guys who are legit, um, look like they could be legit um, superstar players or, you know, uh, all-star caliber players. And then to throw Wimbenyama into the mix there as well, I think would have just made that a really, really interesting team. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed because I think that was the team I most was looking forward to seeing that happening. Um, but I think the Pistons right now at five are kind of in a weird spot because there's a lot of wing depth in this draft, a lot of really good wings. And, the, you know, when you're not a good team, a lot of times people talk about drafting for fit. Um, when you're not winning, I think you just take the best player available. Um, I know people will say, like, oh, they need a guy that fits. And it's like, well, when you're not winning, nothing's fitting right now. Let's just go get a good player. But um, I think that's going to be an interesting decision that they make because there are a lot of options in terms of who might be the best player available, but, but what is a player that they bring in that they think w- will be, you know, a contributor with the guys they have. So I think Detroit's in a weird spot. I don't think they're in a bad spot at all because they've got young talent, but I think that they're leaving tonight disappointed. Yeah. And I, I think Houston for sure, Detroit, absolutely. Both of those teams have got to be pretty disappointed tonight. Um, not just with, with missing out on the number one pick, but you are at least, probably as an organization, banking on being in the top three, right? So you had an idea as far as what guy you were going to probably have fall to you at your particular spot, and now they're looking at probably bringing in, you know, we come, you know, talking about, um, you know, draft workouts and things like that. They're bringing in a completely different group of guys most likely now. Um, So everything they had on their big board has probably been scrapped and – they're probably rethinking their entire draft process. Uh, I know you and I were, were talking before all this, and we're kind of looking forward to the idea of Wimbanyana being on Detroit because of those yeah. young guys and what their core looks like and who he could have been playing with. Um, I think Jaden Ivey is a most improved NBA player um, type of guy moving into next year or his third year. Uh, probably a fringe all-star maybe if he continues to grow at the rate that he was this past year. And would have been really fun to see Wimbanyama, you know, on that roster. But I think Detroit's got to be disappointed. Yeah, they they definitely are. It would have been a lot of fun, but I I think that, you know, I it ends up working out in these really interesting ways. Um, and and you know, some teams make good decisions and they don't. But uh, I definitely think that Houston and Detroit falling outside of the top three is really really tough. Um, we got a little bit more time here. Uh, do you have uh, anyone else you find to be maybe a, a big loser coming out a little disappointed tonight? I, I think you and I can probably have a conversation on this one for a minute. Uh, my third, my third big loser of the night is Dallas. Uh, okay, and for a couple of different reasons because I think Dallas loses. I think Dallas lost twice tonight, uh, and okay. I'll say that for a couple of different reasons during the season. Um, at one point, the Dallas Mavericks were had a 96% chance to make the playoffs. Then they made the trade for Kyrie. Kyrie comes in, and by the middle of April, they have a 4% chance to make the playoffs. They sit their guys for the last game of the season, so they tank to try and work for draft lottery 
movement there. They're trying to get leverage for the draft lottery, and they still get themselves into the number 10 slot. Yeah. So for Dallas, you had to endure the last two and a half months of the season after the Kyrie trade and the absolute cluster that that became. And now you're having to sit and watch the draft lottery unfold, and you're not even getting a top five pick. So for me, Dallas lost twice this year. Um, And I know on paper, you know, do you want to bring in a a, a guy that's the caliber of Kyrie Irving? Absolutely. Does he make your franchise better? Maybe. But if you're Dallas, does he make your franchise better when you've got Luka? And I think we've started to see in the NBA things play out as to what happens with your team when you have two guys who have to dominate the ball to score. And they don't play well off of each other. And I think that, that Dallas, sadly, uh, you know, found that out in real time, and they kind of paid the price for it. So for me, my third big loser is Dallas, uh, because you, you tanked and you got number 10. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's like you said, too, on paper – Dallas looks like they're in a great spot. If you were, you know, if uh, if you give me the odds, right, on that 96% to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'll bet my mortgage on it for sure. You're right. Yeah, if I went into a coma before Christmas <laughs> and you wake me up right now and you say, hey, Dallas, I asked what's going on in Dallas with basketball. They've got Kyrie Irving now and they've got the 10th pick. I would think that everyone would be losing their minds over the Dallas Mavericks dominating the NBA for the next five years. Yeah. It was, it's one of the weirder situations because on paper, it looks great. Um, they break apart, you know, pieces on their team. They move what looked like to be valuable pieces. Um, they lost some uh, defenders um, from what it looked like. And then to have Luke and Kyrie and to have the 10th pick, it looks interesting, but they clearly didn't figure it out this year and maybe they will. But when you have two guys that are completely ball dominant and they're just taking turns, it does not work. And that's, that's showing that 100%. These super teams work when they're willing to share the ball. The reason Golden State worked so well, they didn't care who took the shots. The ball moved and they, everybody was a weapon because of that. Um, when Miami had the, the Heatles and they were, they were, everyone found their role in their niche and they dominated whenever they figured that out. Um, this Mavericks team, I don't know. And I'd like to see them figure it out because it sure could be fun. Um, they don't, I'm curious to see what they do. I'm curious to see if there's moves made. Um, I I can't even predict because it is such a, it's such a wild situation. Um, I'm hoping that they figure it out because I do really like Luka Doncic and I do think that he could be a fun player. Um, but they're definitely losers to me as well, just because there's so much uncertainty with it. I don't quite know what they're going to do uh, and how they're going to fit the 10th pick in or if they're going to make a move. But it, it is such an odd situation in Dallas. With this team. Yeah, and if I'm sitting there, if I'm the Mavericks, to me, if I want to show Luka Doncic that I'm committed to the future, I think you've got to move Kyrie. I think that goes without saying. You saw how that situation played out. And just from a simple standpoint of him being reliable night in, night out, and the way that he fit playing alongside Luka, I think you've got to move Kyrie. And if I'm them, I move the pick. Um, I want to unload the pick to somebody who um, is in rebuild mode. I want to move the pick to somebody who has a young team that can bring somebody else in. And I want to see the Mavericks bring in some veterans, basically kind of in the 
in the mold of the guys that they lost, you know, that they were yeah. willing to move to get Kyrie. And, you know, it goes to, to fit in the NBA. It's all about how the guys fit together. And they traded the guys that fit their lineup. And so I think they've got to go back and try and find some guys that, that fit their lineup who can play with Luka that don't need to be ball dominant, that can play off of him a little bit. So if I'm Dallas, um, I definitely feel like a loser at the moment. Um, and I think that they've got to make some moves to to get their organization back where it needs to be. Agreed. And I think if they don't, then I think I think we see Luka in another city. I, I think that's what's going to happen. That doesn't typically happen with the international players. You don't see them force their way out as much as you right. see the American players do. But um, Luca may be a pioneer in that uh, in that uh, area. Um, all right. Well, with all that being said, um, there's still a lot of basketball left playoff-wise. Um, so we got to get through some of that. But I'm definitely looking forward to the NBA draft. I think it's going to be exciting. There's a lot of fun storylines and situations. Um, we're really, really excited to see how that plays out. Um, I know you are too. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the, on the draft lottery. If you have some interesting things that maybe we missed or some, some teams you think are in a great spot or not so great spot, uh, hit us up on our social media, uh, on Twitter at picketfence underscore pod and on Instagram and Facebook, the picketfence podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, and as always on the picketfence podcast, don't, don't get, get caught, caught watching, watching the, the paint, paint dry. dry.